Chapter Hundred and Eight of Vani the Vampire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vali. Vani the Vampire, Volume Two, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter Hundred and Eight. The decision against the doctor, and more news of Vani the Vampire. It will be remembered that Dr. Chillingworth, although he had without doubt ascertained that Vani had proceeded to London, hesitated about following him there without the full conveyance and consent of the Bannerwards, and now, at the very first opportunity he had, when he found the Admiral and Henry together, he introduced the subject. He detailed what he had already done in the way of tracing Vani from place to place, and ended by declaring his conviction that he was to be found in London. It is not only of importance, he said, to discover Vani on account of the property which I think he has taken with him, but it really amounts almost to a public duty to do so, when we consider the evil he has succeeded in bringing upon us, and that some other family may be soon suffering from similar machinations. But, doctor, said Henry, I presume you have no disinclination to admit that the principal view you take of the subject is as regards its connection with the supposed sum of money which Vani has taken with him. I freely own, said the doctor, that I should like to place that money in your hands, because I think you are entitled to it, and perhaps that is my principal motive, but it certainly is not my only one, for as I consider Vani quite a curiosity in a medical point of view, I certainly wish to follow him up, and should be extremely sorry to lose sight of him altogether. But you must be aware, doctor, said Henry, that there really is something like positive danger in following such a man up, and although he feels himself under such great obligations to you, that I do not think he would willingly do you an injury, yet there is no knowing what so strange and irascible a temper might not be goaded to. I have no dread of danger. I dare say you have not, said the admiral, but I give you my vote against having anything further to do with Varney. And, said Henry, although I cannot withhold an expression of admiration for the doctor's perseverance, I beg him to think that we oppose his pilgrimage in search of the vampire because we fell more for his personal safety than we fear any of the machinations of Vani. Well, gentlemen, said the doctor, since I am in a minority, of course I must give in, and say no more about it. I should certainly have liked to find the fellow, for it is my impression that he certainly has a good many thousands of your money in his possession. But as it is, I will say no more about it although I shall retain my opinion that you are ill-advised 
in not following him up. Oh, said the admiral, it won't do to follow people up always. I don't know. There's that Quaker, for instance, who has got possession of Deerbrook. The Quaker shouted the admiral. Damn the Quaker. I'll follow him up while I have a guinea left, or a leg to stand on. What the deuce made you mention him? For you know the very sound of his name is enough to put me in a fever. The Quaker be hanged, an infernal thief as he is. It was well known to both Henry and the doctor, and in fact to all the family now, that the mention of the Quaker was always enough to drive the admiral nearly frantic, so that we are inclined to think Dr. Chillingworth was actuated by a little spirit of vengeance when he made that remark, and that, on the whole, he was so vexed at the non-participation of the Bannerworths and the admiral in his views concerning Sir Francis Varney, that, on the irritation of the moment, he did not scruple to say something which he thought would be annoying. But his downright good feeling so got the better of anything of that sort, that turning to the admiral, he said, I do apologize. I ought to apologize for my calling to your attention anything of a disagreeable character, for I have no right whatever to do so. And it was only upon the impulse of a moment, I assure you, that I uttered the words. Doctor, said the admiral, I know all that as well as you can tell me, so just say no more about it, if you please, for I don't want to hear one word upon such a subject. Well then, said the doctor, now that I stand acquitted of doing or saying anything of a doubtful or disagreeable character, I can only tell you that I shall persevere in my opinion, and that it is just possible, though not very likely, that I may, upon my own account, do something in the matter. All of which, said Henry, I am very sorry to hear you say, Doctor. But why are you sorry? Because I cannot help anticipating danger. I feel almost certain that it will ensue, and in that case no one will more bitterly regret that you mix yourself up in the affair than I shall. Oh, do not presume any such thing, said the doctor jestingly. You may depend, Varney and I understand each other too well for there to be much danger in my intercourse with him. There is something about the fellow yet that will not permit him to do any deliberate wrong to me. And strange as the feeling may appear, I cannot help acknowledging that I like him in some things, and that, Having been the means of restoring him to life, I feel somehow or other as if I were bound to look after him. Well, that is rather absurd, said the admiral. I must confess. But, however, doctor, if you have any such feeling, by all means carry it out. I won't say nay. But by any means find him out if you like, and if you can make him a decent member of society, in heaven's name, do so. I do not expect that, said the doctor, and if I only keep him out of mischief, I shall be sufficiently satisfied, for that would be accomplishing a great deal with such a man. 
promise me one thing said henry in connection with this affair what may that be it is that you will not take any step in the matter without letting us know of course you are a free agent in a transaction but have as much right as anybody to say or to do anything as regards Varney the vampire but still knowing so much of him as we do i for one certainly would be glad to be made aware of anything you are attempting concerning him that i will promise you so you need be under no possible apprehension on such a score but feel completely at your ease that nothing is being done unless you know of it at this juncture a servant entered the room with a letter which was addressed to henry banaworth and upon opening it he uttered a sudden exclamation of surprise what is it said the admiral you seem astonished henry i am indeed astonished and i may be who do you suppose admiral this letter is from i can't possibly take upon myself to say why from no other person than Varney the vampire indeed cried dr chillingworth and does he offer restitution does he offer to return the money he so wrongly has got possession of tell me that i cannot answer you for i have not read one word of the epistle i only see by the signature that it is his but as it is impossible that there can be any secrets between myself and Varney, i shall read it to you aloud and you shall both of you be able to judge concerning it the admiral and the doctor assumed attitudes of attention while henry after glancing his eyes slightly down the contents of the letter commenced reading it as follows to henry banaworth sir probably the last person in the world from whom you might expect to receive a communication is he who now pens this epistle but as it is penned with a good feeling towards you and yours i hope and trust it will be received in a kindly spirit admitting that the circumstances under which i left the protection of your house were such as to require some explanation from me it is that explanation which i now proceed to give circumstances made it imperatively necessary that i should adopt a course of conduct that should no longer make me a burden to those who had more cause to wish me dead than to assist me in maintaining existence without then the least sinister motive towards you or any one belonging to you i left your home secretly and at once not being willing to listen to remonstrances that i knew would be spoken kindly but which i knew at the same time could not be very serious inasmuch as my presence cannot possibly be otherwise than a severe tax upon your kindness and your patience i cannot be so besotted as to think for a moment that you can forget although a generosity of temper for which i give you full credit might enable you to forgive the injuries you have received from me but i could not make up my mind to reside under your roof on such terms and since my recovery from the violence of a lawless mob 
the question in my mind has been not whether i should leave you or not but how i should leave you and where i should betake myself to at length finding it impossible to come to any rational conclusion upon these points and that time was rapidly wearing so that it became necessary if i came to a conclusion at all i should come to it quickly i resolved to leave without giving you any notice of the fact and set up my staff as it were in the wilderness and proceed in whatever direction chance may point out to me this i say was my resolve and i have carried it into execution all i ask of you is to forget me and not to waste any thought upon the man who will never do any injury to you or to any one belonging to you and who hopes you will make no inquiry for him but should you meet him ever you will pass him by as if you knew him not these few words come from him who was Vani the vampire there was a dead silence when this epistle was concluded and all seemed busy with their own opinions as regarded this communication which certainly was one of a singular nature and highly calculated to excite their surprise upon the whole though there was one extremely evident conclusion to be drawn from it and that was that vani was extremely anxious not to be interfered with can anything be more transparent exclaimed the doctor it is just as i say vani wants to try some new scheme and is very much afraid that he may come across us in some way and be balked in it by our exposing what his real character is and if anything could give me a stronger impulse than another to follow him and see what he is about it would certainly be that letter i do not think you need to be afraid said henry for the letter bearing as it does that signification is such a one as induces me to believe he is fearful that some circumstance may throw him in our way and in that case that we may spoil his port or of the likelihood of such a thing occurring he is of course a much better judge than we can be so i should say let him alone and see if anything really turns up concerning him if it does we have a fair principal action before us for we have no occasion merely because he has asked us to be quiet and peaceable if we find him playing any pranks or attempting to play any pranks that's my opinion too said the admiral be quiet and take no notice and it will be an odd thing to me then if you don't soon hear something of master varney and that may be a something too that may astonish us is that all the letter said dr chillingworth yes with the exception of these words in a postscript any communication addressed to v v general post office london will reach my hands promptly ah then there's the gist of the matter said the doctor the vagabond wants to be assured that we shall not interfere with him and then 
he has got some rascality in hand you may depend which he would set to work about in real earnest i shall not write to him said henry but shall pursue quite a different course of policy and wait patiently for what may happen for i am convinced that is the only plan to pursue with any chance of benefit or success and you will bear in mind doctor said the admiral that the fellow in this letter talks of giving us an explanation and yet not one word does he say about jumping upon your back from the garden wall the deuce a bit does he explain that no said the doctor nor did i expect he would such a man as varney is not likely to criminate himself and while there is doubt about whether he is that person or not you may depend he will not be the man to take any pains to dispel it of course not of course not well said the doctor i can only tell you all one thing and that is that whatever you may think or flatter yourselves this affair is very far indeed from being over and sooner or later something yet very serious will occur in connection with varney the vampire do not fancy that you have got rid of him for most certainly you have not the doctor spoke these words so oracularly that he sounded extremely like one of those predictions founded upon such a firm basis that they are sure to be carried out by future facts and both henry and the admiral felt as if they had heard truth from some one who knew well what he was uttering and was not likely to be mistaken End of chapter 108